0: Welcome back, all of you gorgeous people, to Spicier Than Therapy. And I'm going to do my whole spiel and everything like we usually do. But goddamn, this is our third try trying to begin this podcast. And I would just like to give an extra special loving shout out to my SA wifey Shane for giving us so much to talk about prior to us hitting record on this podcast. We love you, Shane. But anyways, this is Spicier Than Therapy, the podcast where we talk about polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, kink, BDSM, relationships, communication.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and all of the wonderful things that we think go into making a healthy, punky relationship. A punky relationship. Like right. <laughs> like, like Punky
0: Brewster. Type? Punky yeah. Brewster.
1: Punky Skunk
0: what thank you to the
1: punky skunk is a playstation game what i missed the five people that will remember that yeah
0: i missed that is it like a ps1 game game? i'm not
1: gonna go into detail if you remember punky skunk please email the show and tell me that i am not the only one i I have never heard
0: of this game we have been playing a lot of spyro lately though it's
1: very similar game
0: fucking spyro is legend yeah we we love Spire. Anyways, what are we talking about? Oh hey, we're, uh, we're we're a uh, Spicy than Therapy. Thanks yeah, for listening to we're us. We're kind of cool. We have had a very very busy last couple of months. We've been up to a decent amount lately, mm-hmm. Twin. Yeah, and we've got a whole bunch coming up in the next month.
1: True story. We've got a lot coming up in the next three months. Uh, if you if you want to catch up on what we've been up to, please feel free to go back listen to our po- other podcast episodes from this season. We'll the, you'll you'll get the rundown there. But what we've got coming up at the end of July on the 28th, I'm going to be performing with burlesque ballroom at the Royal Sinasta shows at seven and nine come out throw money at my butt. Have a good night. Um, in August, we are going to have to take a couple of trips to various places for yep. various reasons that I'm not going to get into because it's none of your business. <laughs> and then in September uh, slash towards the end of August, we're going to be going to dragon con in Atlanta and I'm gonna be repping some gear from Mr. Pierre Fashion. Yes gonna be purveyor lovely.
0: of the spicy friendship bracelet, yeah. which for you podcast listeners, I'm actually wearing mine right now. He
1: put it on specifically to record.
0: Specifically to record and because we're live. Yeah. Only, Tiki Taki as well, yeah, yeah, as yeah. as is our custom.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so we're going to be at Dragon Con. We're going to be speaking on a couple of panels. Each of us are going to be on at least two, three. Tier has four under his belt already. And I'm not jealous. It's, fine.
0: it's <laughs> look, It's twin- fine. Twin broke the news to me earlier. I hadn't even seen the email and I got picked up for another panel at Dragon Con and mm-hmm. I'm very excited because it's for a show that I fucking love yeah, yeah, and yeah. I watch. So, and it's a new show. It's a yeah. uh, silo. silo. So I'm get to be part of that fandom that talks about all the amazingness. And that is so that excited. piece of sci-fi. I
1: wish y'all could have seen his face when I got to tell him that he was just like, like watching a puppy with a new ball, a new squeaky ball.
0: Yeah. I even made the squeaky ball sound. It was great. Yes, you did. So, so we're talking about compersion today, and specifically compersion in polyamory. Like, and even though the the term compersion was coined out of ethical non monogamy and polyamory, it can be applied to multiple things. Yeah, so, twin, like what, our panels, like our panels <laughs> of which of which I am on four, and twin is on three right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it's gonna be I'm dope. Fine. It's fine. I'm not salty.
0: She's not salty at all. So, Twin, can you <laughs> tell us what is compersion?
1: So, by definition, compersion is the wholehearted participation in the happiness of others. It's sort of like the opposite of Schadenfreude it's where you what know, is
0: what is that, oh, heard
1: that term?
0: oh wow no i don't think i've heard that.
1: is where you're just like you you take joy at others misery oh so it's okay. like when you see a dick bag get stuck in the elevator <laughs> and the doors are shutting and you're like Ha-ha! like that's that's
0: okay or
1: like when you watch a child trip and fall on their face and they've been like bullying others in the playground and you watch them just eat shit and cry that's shot in flight. So
0: it's the opposite of that. So it's almost an empathetic experiencing of joy from someone else's happiness. And a lot of people, especially in like the polyamorous community use it as the opposite of jealousy as well. And, you know, and I understand why people say that. And it can be considered the opposite of jealousy, but it doesn't always have to be, and it's one of those things that I want people to remember and understand that you can experience jealousy and compersion at the exact same time. Kind of like how we can, uh, we as humans are able to experience complex emotions, like mm-hmm. something that is bittersweet, makes you both happy and sad. Like if you, I don't know, what's what's an example of something bittersweet, twin? I, I can't think of anything.
1: You got four panels and I've only got three. There you <laughs> go.
0: She's very happy for me. <laughs> I'm just going to keep coming back to that. It's an easy example. It is, it's a good example. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things where I don't think a lot of people understand really what it means. And if you're not in a polyamorous or ethical non monogamous relationship, the best way that I can explain it is like, say you have your best friend and they got a promotion at their job, right? you feel that happiness for them. And it's almost a physical and emotional reaction of happiness and joy for something good some happening to somebody else. Yeah. Now put that in the context of a relationship, specifically an ethically non-monogamous relationship, and it's even better. So a lot of the times you'll hear people in the polyamory community describe compersion when they're talking about either watching their partner um, go on a date with another mm-hmm. partner or have be intimate with the other partner mm-hmm. or, you know, make out with somebody else, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's one of those that it's not an inherent feeling for everybody. No. It's one of those that people kind of have to work on.
1: Well, it's one of those that, oh, excuse me. I had something caught my throat. It's one of those that either, I think to an extent, either you feel it or you don't, right? Like there's that initial, like either you're happy or you're not. And that's Okay regardless right like if you're not if you don't feel compersion that's okay too right it's kind of a it's a bit of a learned emotion um in a sense but it's also not one that like in a lot of cases it's not going to come naturally i'm trying to think of how to say this it's not going to come naturally for a lot of people because of how society trains us to think about our partners and our ownership uh, heavy quotes there. Yeah, or ownership of our partner, right? But it is one of those things that, like, a little bit of like either you feel it or you don't. So I'm, I know I'm kind of
0: no, no. Circles I, there, it, but... it absolutely makes sense, and I and I think you touched upon a very valid point, which is, you know, when we're growing up, especially in a mononormative society mm-hmm. where that really is kind of the de facto baseline, we're not taught the emotional intelligence or given the vocabulary Mm -hmm. to describe a feeling like compersion. Exactly. Right? Like uh, you you either like somebody or you don't, or you're happy or you're not, kind of like what you said. But like, especially if you were to try to explain this to a child or to somebody from a monogamous relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, explaining it in the way that we did earlier is an easier way for them to kind of feel that so like yeah yeah, any sort of like close friendship or like a work win or any positive experience that you can celebrate in with someone else so like our our friend missy i I was ragging on shane at the beginning of this episode our friend missy is pregnant we Mm -hmm. experienced a, a form of compersion when we found that out because we know how much that meant to them and so we had that empathetic joy At another's happiness
1: yeah oh absolutely i mean i was in fucking tears when we were told so yeah
0: yeah and and it's really great and it's one of those things that especially people that are new to polyamory they understand the concept Mm -hmm. but it's harder in practice because they're used to feeling that feeling of ownership and possessiveness like Mm -hmm. you mentioned and so the thought of their partner being intimate with somebody else Mm -hmm. or having a relationship with somebody else triggers those feelings of jealousy and insecurity. Right.
1: Well, and you know, I, I know we haven't mentioned it on the podcast here yet, but we are also, um, on TikTok live right now, um, you know, seeing questions and comments. And one of our frequent flyers, uh, Zoe was in the comments and actually made a good point about how conversion is very much one of those things that's on a learning curve for a lot of people. Right. And it is because like, even though we're, you know, it's ingrained in us very early on to be happy for other people, right? Like our friends, our like, oh, your friend got a puppy. That's great. You must be so happy for them. Or, oh, your friend's having a baby or, oh, your friend finally broke up with that toxic douche. Like whatever the situation may be, like we're taught to be excited for other people. Right. Yeah. But a lot of times in society that stops hard at like, Oh well, no. Now my partner is happy seeing or being with somebody else. Well, no, that's bad. That's right. bad. Like, right. You can't be happy for them for that because that's terrible. Like, and that's that's we got. We got to get past that. And that's where the learning curve kind of kicks in for a lot of
0: Absolutely. And I, and I think it's that same mindset where, and you'll see this a lot in men or mass presenting people that are in a hetero relationship, right? With a woman or a femme presenting person. And, you know, they start, their person is, um, gets a promotion mm-hmm. at their job and they start making more money, than the man or the mass presenting person. And so they feel that jealousy and insecurity. Mm -hmm. So that's like a different kind of facet and side to that. Like, so, you know, I, I remember... When I was married previously, I had a partner that got a promotion and it pumped them above me in, in terms of the salary. And I was so happy for them. Mm-hmm. And that was before I really had the vocabulary mm-hmm. to understand compersion. But I understood that I was happy with their success. Yeah. I could I could experience their joy, I could feel their joy, and I could be happy for them. Right. You know what yeah. I mean?
1: Well, and again, that's one of those like societally conditioned and accepted things to be happy about, right? you know, it's harder for you as a man, like with your femme partner, making more, you know, being the breadwinner, like, yeah, there's a little bit of the the same sort of like stigma against like, oh, the man's not the breadwinner, you know, sort of thing. So it's a very similar situation for sure. And Rachel made a really good point too, in the comments about how a lot of it comes down to what we are taught is the cost to us personally. Right. Good point. Yeah, I know. I love that one. (laughs) Good job. Um, it's like, how is this going to? How is my partner's happiness going to cost me? Right. In so many cases, a lot of us are taught to evaluate, break down, and way overanalyze that, and so we do it without thinking about, you know, the effect that that behavior, that little chunk of behavior we've got, is going to have on our partner. Like, how detrimental would it be if, like, say. You know, I like I know we've been joking about it this entire time and for the record, we are just kidding. Um Are we? Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um
1: but you know, for example, tears on four panels, I'm on three at dragon, right? <laughs>
0: she's not I'm she's not, not gonna let it go. She's not salty about that at all.
1: Anyway, um no, I'm it's, it's just an easy, convenient example, right? Like the fact that you've got those, right? And so you know, In an easy case, uh, an easy easy example of like Mm -hmm. bad compersion, I guess you could say, or that jealousy would be like, if I were to genuinely be bothered by the fact that you got an extra one or that you'd gotten any and I hadn't, you know, things like that. And we're not taught to analyze how, for example, if I did feel bad about that. And I broke it down and I started taking that out on you. Like We're not taught to analyze how our behavior in that instance is going to affect the other person. Does that make sense? A
0: hundred percent. And jealousy, I mean, we've talked about it before, is one of those things that generally comes from a place of... Um, fear and mm-hmm. insecurity, but it can also, similar to the example that Twin gave, come from a place of competition. Mm-hmm. Now, that competition could be rooted in feelings of not feeling good enough, mm-hmm. or you know, some self-confidence issues. But jealousy is a normal and naturally occurring emotion, Absolutely. and I wish there wasn't such a stigma around those feelings of jealousy, specifically in the ethically non-monogamous communities.
1: Well, and I feel like a lot of people confuse jealousy with possessiveness, and that's where a lot of that misunderstanding comes right. in. A lot of people are like, oh, he's just jealous. He doesn't want you talking to anybody with a penis, Sarah. That's not jealousy. That's insecurity. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's shit, It's stuff like that. You know,
0: I know we talked about this in the last episode, but I forget what we were going to call people instead of Sarah's.
1: Oh, God.
0: Yeah. I, fuck, we're going to have to go Britney. back. Because we're go all back very and... concerned for her. <laughs> free Britney, y'all. Well,
1: she was freed. that's part of
0: the problem. Uh, re-trap Britney. I don't know. I have no thoughts about Britney right now. So, But I, what I will say, <laughs> with, <laughs> I zero thoughts about Britney. You know, talk to me about Christina. That's that's what mm. I care about. Or Cher. Talk to me about Cher. I'll
1: take Christina. She could crush me with her thighs. There you go. Anyway. <laughs> so, And
0: I think specifically the feelings of jealousy. We get That's probably the number two question that we get on all of our socials about polyamory and ethical non-monogamy is, how do I deal with my jealousy? And I know we've covered that Mm -hmm. in another episode, but it's worth repeating like we're doing here so that you get context about compersion. Now, we've kind of defined what compersion is and hopefully giving you the vocabulary for what that can feel like for you. Twin, let's talk about our own personal experiences with conversion, because we have had some very, very awesome experiences yeah. with compersion.
1: Yeah. It's been nice. Cause like, you know, for example, I mean, we've talked forever. Right. But like we've both had experiences with other people, partners, playmates, uh, shenanigan friends, you know, outside of our actual like marriage. Right. We've both had Uh, Interactions, right? And every time, especially for me and how I poly personally and how I am just as a person, it's been very easy for me to be like, Yay, you get to do the thing. Right. Like, I, for me, that is that, that reaction for me is sort of naturally ingrained and always has been because right. of how I came up in poly. I have a head start, admittedly. You like,
0: did. Yeah. I, I It's a whole thing. Right. Go back and listen to other episodes. <laughs> go, go listen to the first two episodes where we cover that heavily.
1: Right. So I have a very different take on it. So for me, with my partner having other partners, I get like ridiculously excited. And half the time he has to remind me to calm the hell down and be like, <laughs> could you please like... Rain, rain it in, babe. Like, just 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 take it down a notch, because I'm over here. Like, I'm gonna help you plan your dates and I'm gonna help you plan all of the things, and it's gonna be lovely. And here's what we can do in three years from now. And he's like, we just changed numbers. Like, calm down, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um for me, it's very easy. But with that said, I still have those feelings of jealousy sometimes. Sure. You know, and but I also Again, I, I came up in a very different mindset. So for me, when I do get those feelings of jealousy, it is very much more so from a place of like, "I wish I was doing that." or right. like, oh, are you gonna send me pictures?" You know like <laughs> well, and,
0: and that's one of the things like twin having a head start on polyamory gave her a very distinct and specific perspective. Mm-hmm. On ethical non-monogamy. For sure, my entrance into ethical non-monogamy was swinging. So it, it's a very different entry point. It's it's similar in some respects, but you have to get used to very different things very early on, yeah. right? So a, a lot of times when people talk to us about jealousy or not being able to feel compersion, it's generally when picturing or hearing about their partner having a sexual or intimate act mm-hmm. or relationship with another mm-hmm. with coming into it through the swings uh scene. You got to get real good with that real quick because there's like 20, 30 people in the room Mm -hmm. and you're going to see everybody experiencing joy and like showing love and affection in the way that they want with multiple people. Right. So for us, it was it was interesting because like when we first started out, um, we both looked at compersion very similarly. We also both looked at jealousy Mm -hmm. very similarly However, we wanted to put it in practice. So like, I think the very first time that we both got to experience compersion is when you went and had a sexual experience with another partner and then
1: mm, you, no, no, it was, um, when I had somebody come in and we mentioned this before, uh, I, oh, think I was talking week's. about
0: a different one, but okay. No, I meant like,
1: I mean like when we like the first t- okay. So the first time that I, because I never had a term for it, I just was like, yeah, I'm just happy for my partner. Me, You know, like for me, it was never a thing. Right. The first time I knew about compersion or heard about compersion specifically was with the um, guest that I had come in to work while I was dancing. And I was like, oh, this is so... This is kind of fun. I like this one. I could I could go back with this one. And so I texted him and I was like, yeah, I might do the thing. It's a whole thing. And so we went back and forth and he was very excited. And so he had to break down what compersion was for me afterwards. So that was my first one. Right. But then like by choice. Yeah, that
0: other yeah yeah well and and again that was my feeling first or Mm -hmm. that was my second feeling of compersion with twin as my current as one of my current partners Mm -hmm. and then you got to feel that as well Mm -hmm. when i had another partner Mm -hmm. and was doing the thing and like you know, again, we don't tell each other the specifics of mm-hmm. what happened unless the other partner or partners are okay with it. Again, consent is key. Right. Consent is sexy. So
1: yeah, like if I, I'm not going to ask him questions about like what he and my meta did, you know, while they were hanging out or even while right. they're texting, right? Like, that's and, unless not that's my an, business, right?
0: Unless that's an like open, honest yeah. part of that dynamic yeah. and our dynamic. Yeah,
1: unless that unless that level of communication is there.
0: Yeah, so we both had experience with that style of conversion where Each of us individually went and did a thing Mm -hmm. with another partner. And then, you know, we cleared it obviously with each other first because that's one of our agreements in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we came home and we kind of discussed not the finer points, but the overarching points of what had happened. And we both experienced such joy at the other's happiness. Oh, I'm happy you got to do the thing. Mm -hmm. I'm happy you got to find somebody that was exciting for you and somebody that you felt like you could connect with which was different than us experiencing compersion with each other in real time. That Mm -hmm. was fun too. Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah, when we're talking about like our past experiences with compersion, um, you know, again, I had a very different upbringing, you know, so I have to be mindful of how I say this. But, um, you know, my early, early experiences with compersion, again, not having any idea of what it actually was, not having a word for it. I was just happy To get to watch my other, my partners and friends shenanigate with other partners and friends. Like for us and our friend group, which oddly enough is very similar to how we sort of like run and will run our poly going forward. I mean,
0: it's kind of how we've structured unofficially our friend group now. Like all of our people that we're close to, whether or not we're all romantic or, or sexually involved. They know how we, yeah, they know how we feel and the relationship is very intimate. So we've almost kind of structured our current friend group similar to your past friend group.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very similar, like, you know, it may not be physically intimate. There may not be that inclination there, but we are emotionally and mentally intimate with our close friend group. And so for me, that's kind of what helps tie in that compersion, especially being the beautiful little Demi baby that I am. You know, hello to all of my ace fellows out there. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: you know, for me, especially because of how I love people, regardless of whether or not that's physical, but because because of how I love people, it is very easy for me to have that compersion there.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and you and I experienced that in very different ways, right? Like, again, the, the way twin describes hers is slightly different than mine Mm. simply because, you know, a, as a, as an AMAB person and the way in which I show love and affection, it is very physical at first. But it's actually been changing for me, too. Yes, Twin, I I see you have a burning statement on your face. Let's go.
1: So I just realized what mine feels like for me, right? Okay. For me, compersion feels like, like when I see Tyr, you know, getting his little goofy smile while he's texting, whomever, right? For me, it's like watching videos. And some of you will know exactly what I mean. It's like watching videos of uh, of Keanu Reeves' play with puppies.
0: I don't think I've seen the video of Keanu Reeves playing with puppies.
1: There's several.
0: Okay. And every
1: time you watch him play with puppies, like a bunch of people have done it where they have an interview with him and they watch him and they, they let him loose with puppies. Right. And I love everybody in our chat is going like, oh my God, yes. That feeling of where you're like, oh, oh that's how I feel <laughs> when I see him with another partner. As I'm just yeah. like,
0: Well, and you know, there was even a study and I don't have it up right now, but I can, I can post it in the description of this episode where they were talking about the physical manifestation of the feelings of compersion. Right. And a lot of people feel it like a, a warmness in their chest or their stomach or a loosening in their shoulders or something Mm -hmm. like that. So kind of that physical reaction Mm -hmm. coupled with the Keanu puppiness. Yeah. Yeah, You're, you're really describing that. Yeah. It's just like
1: a, it's like the big warm and fuzzies. It's like watching, you know, like seeing small children and puppy love and they're like being sweet to each other or like hearing a baby giggle. Right. Like it's those kinds of like over like ridiculous for me. It's that sort of like ridiculously like adorable, just like good to your soul. Kind of happiness. Right. So. Yeah.
0: No. And and again, when we were talking about the difference in us experiencing compersion in our current relationship and relationships, it was different watching it in person for each other than coming back and telling the other partner about mm-hmm. it. So like the first time that we had a group shenanigan session, Aww. it was so much fun for both of us. Cause we both know how we felt about compersion but we got to practice it in real time. We got to see how our partner reacted to watching us be physically intimate with another person.
1: I just need to point out the irony here of sitting here talking about this and you had to stop me from like happy stimming. Yeah. Because like I'm getting like that secondhand yeah. like same kind of emotion just sitting here talking about it and right. thinking back about that experience.
0: And the mic picks up on it. The I mic know, the, the, mic, the mic feels <laughs> your conversion. <laughs> oh, you're
1: like tippy tapping, you know, my nails cuz I'm just like, yeah, like happy stimming and that's that's exact like you yeah. Anyway, yeah. I just thought
0: it was funny. Uh, very funny. Very funny.
1: But all that said, I think we're ready to open up for comments. Or did you have a final mo- point?
0: Let's open up for comments.
1: Okay. I'm sorry. I feel like you had a final point. Yo, it's okay, fine. I didn't. No, no,
0: it's fine. I don't want to go back and edit. It's it's fine.
1: Okay. All well, right. nobody was commenting on Discord. So hi, everybody in the comments. We love you. Would you like to ask a question? <laughs> uh, mark marker.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to mark this one. Yes, let's jump into questions. Leanne in our Tiki Talkie live said, Will you go more into jealousy versus possessiveness? So, twin, go ahead and kick us off there.
1: So, as we've said before, um possessiveness and a little bit, a little bit jealousy, right, come from that fear, right? Like I I am very much a person that I believe that, and I forget where I read this. It's not an original idea. I've read this somewhere. That everything, every decision that we make comes back to two things, either fear or love, right? So possessiveness and that like overprotective, like bullying almost of of possessive uh, behavior is coming from a place of fear. It is coming from, I'm going to lose my, Thing because you're no longer a person to the one feeling possessive, you're a thing to them, right? Like, you it, it denotes and indicates a lack of, um, not at their own autonomy, but that they don't see you as autonomous, right? Like, they see you as a toy on a shelf. And so, when you have somebody being possessive, being, telling you what you can and can't do, like Jonah Hill. Um,
0: oh, the current Jonah situation.
1: <sighs> Look, God. I could go in forever. I just want to punch him in the face with a sledgehammer. Um, so, he's a garbage
0: person and, and he belongs in a trash can.
1: Yeah, he's he's been shit for years. Allegedly. Um... But yeah, when you have somebody that's being possessive because they're afraid that they're gonna lose their shiny toy, that's their problem to work on, not yours. That's that is entirely up for Bradwick over there to figure his shit out and not for Bethany to have to deal with. There you
0: go. And I'm and I'm looking at both possessiveness and jealousy as two sides. Of the same D20 die, right? Like it's not, it's not a coin. It's not just Mm -hmm. those two things. They're all sorts of things. But I think possessiveness specifically is rooted in a feeling of scarcity. It's that scarcity Mm -hmm. mindset that we're always talking about. Yeah, that's pushed in mononormative society of if I don't have a thing and someone else has a thing, Mm -hmm. I'm losing out.
1: Well, and more importantly, losing my thing.
0: Right. And so instead of, um, you know, a mindset of abundance, which is what a lot of people in the ethically non-monogamous community try to practice, they're reverting right back into that scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. So to me, one is kind of a symptom of the other, where I think jealousy is more of the base feeling and emotion stemming Mm -hmm. from that insecurity and that fear that twin was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like a different way of manifesting and one is more societally enforced.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think that's kind of what it is. And, you know, I, I didn't want this conversation to be more of a combo about jealousy, but really you can't talk about compersion without, without talking about jealousy because it doesn't give it as much context. Like you don't have as much nuance about how big and beautiful the feeling of compersion can be without understanding how jealousy can work.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying at the beginning, um, you know, a lot of people consider jealousy as the opposite of compersion. I would go so far, like, to me, that doesn't feel quite right. I would go so far as to say something like Schadenfreude is...
0: Which is German.
1: Which is German. It's a German translation. Schadenfreude is um, like uh, the happiness at another's misfortune like for me, that feels more like the opposite. But I get why people would say jealousy is the opposite. Like neither one is wrong. Um, but for me, I I would akin it. I would say it's more akin to shadenfleida as the opposite.
0: So we talked at the beginning of this episode about being able to cultivate or learn compersion. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some different ways that people who are new to polyamory can learn to cultivate those feelings of compersion.
1: Ooh, that's a good one. So I think it would come down to noticing, especially if you're monogamous, noticing, like paying special attention to where compersion comes up um, in your normal everyday life, right? Like if you are monogamous and you do have a best friend who is leaving a bad relationship and you are so overjoyed because finally they're doing a thing that's good for them, that's compersion. That is a form of compersion. If one of your work buddies is getting a raise or getting a promotion and you're happy for them because like, yeah, you've worked hard for this. We love that for you. That's compersion. That is a form. So for me, I would say definitely take the time. If you are trying to understand what compersion is, how to feel it, how to normalize it within yourself, notice when you have it. Notice when you feel happiness and true joy for somebody else. And I'm not talking like joy at the fact that they're doing a thing that's going to benefit you. If it does, great. But like, even if it doesn't, and almost especially if it doesn't benefit you in any way, it's just a thing that they're experiencing and you feel happy for them for experiencing that. Like that is compersion. And that's what you need to take time and focus on feeling and allowing yourself to recognize that. I think like take like making a conscientious effort. To recognize that,
0: and, and and that's very close to my answer because I think in order to start practicing compersion and helping grow that feeling within you, a you have to be able to identify it. Mm-hmm. You have to know when you feel it, and sometimes it's easier to practice those feelings with non-romantic relationships, mm-hmm. specifically when you're just starting out in polyamory or ethical non-monogamy, mm-hmm. like when you feel it for a family member or a best friend or something like that. Notice that feeling. And analyze that feeling. We're always talking about getting to the why and getting to your motivation. Analyze why you're feeling that feeling that has nothing to do with you. To me, it's also similar with jealousy. Mm-hmm. When you're feeling jealous in that moment, sit with it, acknowledge it, analyze what the motivation is for those Jealous feelings or that insecurity or that fear. Once you're able to properly feel and identify both feelings, you can practice on trying to move from those feelings of jealousy into practicing more of those compersion feelings because you know why you're feeling one way and you know which way you want to move, mm-hmm. right? Gives you a map.
1: Yeah. Elisa made a really, really good point, kind of, you know, going to what you were saying, you know, recognize communicate and do the internal work, right? That's perfect summary of what you were saying just now is like, recognize what you're feeling, communicate with others who are going to be impacted by it, what you're feeling, and do the internal work to understand what you're feeling good or bad, right? Like, just because you're having a great, happy, joy, joy feeling doesn't mean you shouldn't communicate that you absolutely you almost especially should. You know, like yeah. I'm one of those people, like, especially if I feel happy for my people, I am going to be obnoxious about telling you that I am happy for you. Like I, I am just that asshole. But like...
0: Because you celebrate other people's wins mm-hmm. and and you do that really well. And it's one of the things that I'm very thankful for about our own relationship, yours and mine, and the way in which you relate to our friend group, right? You're able to celebrate their win while at the same time noticing if there's any sort of like toxic or behaviors out there that may be concerning Mm -hmm. and then approach them as a friend and be like, Hey, I feel for you and I'm noticing some things that I don't think you would like about yourself. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's a hard conversation to have for sure of just like, Hey, I feel like something's going a little off the rails here. That's already a hard conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and if you're wanting to like deep dive more into conversion, there are so many polyamory books out there that talk about it as a concept. But really, it's going to come down with to anything like anything else in life, practicing that, working on it, trying to take those next steps. And so, like we recently listened to a podcast uh, about polyamory. I don't even remember which one it was because we, we listened, listened to like six, and they had um, a guest on there uh jolie hamilton who i believe is a, a therapist or as uh, a doctor okay mm-hmm. is a doctor Doctor they did a ted talk mm-hmm. uh, on compersion called compersion the opposite of jealousy so similar to what we're talking about here that goes into depth so i highly recommend that if you got the time and you're wanting to cultivate your own feelings of compersion yeah and and one last point before we open it back up to the, the ticky-tocky questions, last call for questions, y'all, in TikTok. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I'm doing video on TikTok right now, haven't posted it, it's about stepping in to your dominant energy, right? And it's for new or intermediate doms in the BDSM world who want to step more in to that energy to me it's very very similar to compersion mm-hmm. it's a learning about it acknowledging the feelings that you have and then learning how to step into that compersive energy which i'm not sure compersive is a word but i'm fucking going with it. Twin.
1: Well and it would be <laughs> it would be especially important within like a kink dynamic because you know unless you are a true 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 sadist like i i have questions and i'm mildly concerned kind of sadist um, You know, as a DOM, I feel like there should be a measure. Like there doesn't have to be. I'm not going to say there. Do- I'm not going to say there has to be. But I feel like I'll say it this way: I would not sub or bottom for anybody that wasn't able to feel compersion for when I feel happy because of my thwacky wackies. Does that make sense? Like it I, does. I wouldn't yeah. want to play with somebody that isn't happy for the job that they're doing, essentially. Right. I mean, make-
0: it it does make sense. And as someone who is a, a sadist in mm-hmm. in portions of what I do, it's not it's not the feeling of doing it to hurt, Mm -hmm. to make someone unhappy. It's in that feelings of the people that want that level of either pain or what have you Mm -hmm. and being able to provide that for them while still taking pleasure myself in the act of what that is. Now, there was a great question uh, here in Le Tiki Taki by Miyakso that said, would you say that compersion is vital to either polyamory or ethical non-monogamy twin go first because i got thoughts on this
1: as a general rule no i'm gonna say no um because it is again because it is so much one of those things that we are like deeply taught not to feel when it comes to romantic relationships right right um i wouldn't say that it's vital I will say it's an important factor, at least a, again, a measure, right? At least being able to feel a measure of that would be important for the long term health and well being of a relationship. Because, like, if I'm in a relationship, because I'm trying to think of this like long term, if I'm in a relationship with somebody and I can never feel happy for them, while they're often getting their yayas, I don't know how that would affect me psychologically long term. You know, if it's like... Sure. You know, it it would be similar to like, you know, the whole like, Saturdays are for the boys kind of thing, right? Like, if you can't be happy that your partner is going to hang out with their friends... Like, all right, have fun, you know, woo. Like, you may not be like, oh my God, I love you so much because you're going to go have brunch with the girls. Yes. Like, you may not be feeling that, <laughs> right? But like, that's And that's 100% how I react. <laughs> but like, if you can't at least be like, okay, babe, I love you. Have fun. You know, tell the girls I said hi kind of thing. Like, if you can't have at least like that measure of compersion, slight though it is, if you can't at least have that For your partner while they're going off to shenanigate with whomever. I feel like, again, long term, you're kind of setting yourself up for a little bit of a handicap. Does that make sense? It
0: it does. And see, here's where you and I diverge. Usually we're spot on Mm -hmm. with how we feel about polyamory. I don't think that compersion or being able to feel compersion is a prerequisite Mm -mm. for healthy and happy polyamorous relationships because I always bring it back to the goal. And this is, again, my definition. The goal of polyamory or ethical non-monogamy for me is to be able to express my feelings of love and affection to as many people as I want in whatever manner I want. I don't need every partner that I have to be able to feel that compersion for me or for other metas in order for our relationship to work. Now, we're always talking about compersion being the goal of polyamory and getting to that point of compersion. I think it's important, and it's something I think for you and I and in all of our polycule stuff that it, it is a requirement, but I think in general it's not a requirement for everybody Mm -hmm. because people are able to have you know um uh, successful polyamorous relationships where they don't want to know any details outside of you know kind of the open honest transparent ones about their partner's other relationships, right. and I don't necessarily think that makes them bad, no. and I don't necessarily think that it means that they can never have a good relationship. Right? You no, know oh, I mean? no,
1: and I definitely, for sure, like I'm not going to be the one to be like, if you don't feel compersion, then it's going to be bad for you. right No, I just, I would be, I would be concerned as to why, you know, like Facts. because alisa made a good point of like, if it's not compersion or jealousy, it's a lack of care at all, and. loosely, I agree with that because there's that ambivalence there. I wouldn't say like exactly that, but there is, again, like I would be concerned about like, why aren't, why can't you just be happy for your partner to like go and do the thing again, regardless of whether or not the thing that they're doing is like romantic or otherwise, if you can't at least be like, oh, you're going bowling with the boys again. Cool. Love that for you. Have fun. Bye. Like if you can't at least be happy that they're going to go and do a thing that they enjoy doing to some extent, like I worry about how that is going to affect your partner long term, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, No, and I get that.
1: Which brings me to another question that I don't know if you'll want to answer, but I'm very curious to know your answer
0: Ooh, this is a great question all right twin i'll let you ask it and i'll answer it
1: okay so leanne and the re do we want to I'll, go I'll into ex- why i'll
0: explain okay yeah, yeah.
1: so leanne asked a really good question that's a little convoluted for us to answer so we'll have to answer this in a couple of different parts <laughs>
0: we'll do it story time story time yeah.
1: <laughs> But the question was, do you think a narcissist can feel compersion?
0: No. And let me tell you why. Here's my pedigree. Here are my credentials. So I have been in therapy for going on 10 years, so a whole ass decade. And the reason I started going to therapy is I had a frightening lack of empathy when I was in my late 20s or all through my 20s, but really kind of noticed it in my late 20s, right? And in the first year or two of my therapy journey, I got diagnosed as a narcissist. I actually got diagnosed with the dark triad personality archetype, which is a combination of narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. And it took me fucking years, years of therapy, I tell you, to work through those different personality archetypes and get to a place of healthy stability with myself, much less with any other relationship, romantic or not. But it took me a long ass time. Now, one of the things that the dark triad personality archetype does is because of the divergent ways that it presents, it insulates itself from harm. So it doesn't matter what anybody said to me a friend, a loved one, a coworker, a therapist. Any sort of constructive criticism I was able to block because of all of those different parts of my personality. A narcissist has a distinct lack of feeling empathetic or of feeling empathy or expressing empathetic emotions to anyone outside of themselves now I'm not saying you can never get over it. I'd love to think that I am a shining example of someone that was able to curb their narcissistic traits and learn how to work with them in a healthy way because you never truly get rid of those inherent personality archetypes, but you can figure out why you got them in the first place. Mm -hmm. You can figure out how you got there and you can work to lessen their impact. So no, I don't believe that someone who is a dyed in the wool fucking narcissist can experience the feelings of compersion because they lack the empathy. They lack the tools to experience empathy for another.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that would require them feeling anything for anyone other than themselves and like by definition right now to be clear there is a difference between narcissistic personality disorder like the official diagnosis there is a difference between that and narcissistic tendencies okay like let's let's not get it twisted yeah i was i was whole
0: ass diagnosed y'all
1: yeah so a true narcissist somebody who is diagnosed gone to psychologist therapist professional expert (laughs) (laughs) Eh. period not just you know your fucking friends on facebook who are like oh my god he's such a narcissist Eh."
0: facebook what's that Yeah,
1: right um like somebody who is truly diagnosed with npd will not be able to feel anything for anyone ever that isn't exactly them like you can feel disdain or something like that, but like you're not gonna feel that happiness right. for them. Does that makes sense.
0: Well, you're you're it's not that emotion. Yeah, you're you're not gonna feel much of anything towards anybody else mm-hmm. because you're so focused internally mm-hmm. that there is no room to be able to empathize or sympathize mm-hmm. with the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of someone outside of yourself, right? And I won't say ever. You used the word ever. Sorry. And I would love to say that it's not ever because that would also apply to me. No, I'm sorry. But I think it's not likely that people can work through that in a healthy way. And it's why I've been in therapy for 10 years. But it's possible. Yeah. I would love to say that I'm the shining example of it being possible. Whether or not that's true, ah, we'll find out eventually. But
1: and we all have our things that sure, we need to work through. I mean, yeah. I still have codependent because of my abuse at the hands of several narcissists. Um, I still have very strong codependent um behaviors and other survival mechanisms, because that's what narcissistic personality disorder is. Um, I still have several survival mechanisms that my brain put in place that I have to work through. So you know that i have to navigate and apply on purpose with intention you know that i have to conscientiously think about how i'm doing it so you know it's it's important to let your bird eat the ring light apparently <laughs> so we we moved Sorry. the lighting
0: in the room and todd is over there just happily munching on the ring light oh right goodness. now she's not near a cord so uh corbin don't don't stab me no. if you, if you hear this <laughs> Um but I, I think we've covered a lot yeah. of ground today on the feelings of conversion and how you identify it, how you feel it and you know whether or not it's something that you currently feel and you'd need to constantly be working towards it if it's important to you. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that's very important to us.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, don't give yourself grief. You know, I'm going to I want to highlight this one more time. Don't give yourself grief if you don't feel it right away. That's okay. Like, as long as you aren't, you know, being ugly to your partner. I'm going to let my Southern come out for a second there. As long as you're not being ugly to your partner or your people, you know, just because you aren't feeling happy for them, don't worry about it. You know, like, don't give yourself too much um, of a hard time. Give yourself grace. You know, it takes time. It takes practice Mm -hmm. to feel these things, you know, to get in the habit of feeling these things for people, you know, because there's a lot of social conditioning that we got to get past if we're going to have healthy, loving relationships.
0: Yeah. And I just want to thank everybody that's been in the TikTok live with us for helping us have this conversation. If you've got more questions for us on Compersion... Twin, where can they find us? Where can they reach out to us?
1: You can reach out to us either through Instagram at spicier than therapy or at our email, spicierthantherapy at gmail.com. You can also send us uh, questions through our going live channel on our Discord.
0: Yeah, you can. Or, or you can find us on the Tiki Talkie yeah, at yeah. Spicier Than Therapy or Tear Doesn't TikTok. If and, they
1: don't ban me again.
0: And indeed I do TikTok. You do TikTok. I do TikTok. Uh, to an extreme You're done
1: measure, you done did TikTok. I, I
0: done did it. They don't think it be <laughs> like it is, but it do. It do. It do. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for joining us for this episode on conversion. Um, as always, reach out to us if you have any questions. We're happy to help if we can. We get so many, and we try to answer all of yeah. them. And if we haven't gotten back to you, well, then you haven't waited the requisite three to five business years. Also, so
1: please don't trauma dump any emails.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're gonna start an email with a trauma dump, give us a trigger warning. So <laughs> if we're not in the headspace for it,
1: I try to be uh, nice about that. But right? <laughs> please, please don't. Just, just like, hey, this is like just a little like, hey, this is a bit of a heavy thing like just, right. just a little heads up
0: just somewhere. yeah yeah that'd be nice or come say hello to at us con. at dragon con and twin is making us some dope ass cards up so if you do find us at dragon con come up and ask us for a card
1: we might even have a uh, special presents for we some of you. we may
0: even have special presents for some of you and twin will pull them out of her secret booby place <laughs> 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 okay she won't do that but i really hope she does i won't have much
1: room there yeah it's oh, gonna be a hell of a uh,
0: costume yeah, all right yeah. uh as always uh
1: <laughs> my darlings my babies my loves please remember to be good to yourself be good to others give yourself grace love and patience
0: and above all else go out and do some dope shit
1: goodbye <laughs>